Our guidebook provides all the answers you never knew you sought on a variety of topics. While we may not have any credentials, expertise, or formal training on the topics we address, we do have some amusing anecdotes, and who knows, maybe you'll learn something along the way. This is what we call the Definitive Guide, and we are the Von Kuhlbergs. This episode is called Invasive But Experiences and contains some adult language and themes. And so they go and they tell me this, and it's, of course, awkward because you're with these people and they're trying to, like like your example, talk about the bulls or something, and yeah. and yet you're going to drop trowel and show your ass to them. And they proceeded to tell me that they could do it, but I should be aware that it's extremely painful. And oh. you won't be able to sit for days, and they have to suture your butt. And unlike other places that you could just leave alone you clearly can't just leave your your exit hole yeah. alone all the time and so i quickly decided i was not going to do that procedure and i will just try to manage What did you do today? Oh, I uh, I went to the urologist, uh, and I any reason? I What's that? Any reason? Uh, you know, I I, <laughs> I just went on my normal checkup. I'm of that age where uh, it's I guess to my benefit to have my prostate examined. Um, I started going pretty regularly. So let me ask you this question. Have is this a fetish type thing that you're talking about? <laughs> no, but I will say this. So I feel I immediately actually felt better about myself in the office of the urologist because and now I said, th- do you, you don't go to a urologist? I've never been to a urologist in my life. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I thought I'm supposed to be getting like an annual checkup, but maybe I, I get not. an annual physical and it's, it's required by my health, <laughs> my insurance coverage from my employer. And part of that physical is a prostate exam, which is clearly the, the, the best part of the exam, but right. I, it's done by my primary care physician not i don't know a specialist to to get the whole fist up there or something (laughs) so i think i have a reason for it but um before i get that i want to first say the the first thing you notice when you walk in and and i'm i'm not a spring chicken anymore but i am the youngest person in the office probably by about 30 years there are a bunch of very angry octogenarians and and it's amazing because I, and this 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 urologist always overbooks. I I go in there expecting that I'm going to sit in the waiting room between 30 and 45 minutes every time I go. I know this. I bring a book and I'm at peace with it. <laughs> the other people there are not. And I walked in and there was a an older gentleman screaming at the woman behind the the glass saying like other people have come for their appointment at 10 o'clock they've been out there and i'm i'm still here 
and she's like, I, I, you know, I'm sorry, you have to have a special room in order, like, and that room's not available, and, um, and I don't know why he just started, he just volunteered the information. It wasn't even a good segue. He's like, listen, my catheter is leaking. And I'm like, oh, uh, welcome. Like, hello, good morning. And he's just screaming about it. And nobody, nobody's batting an eye. Like, they're all just, everybody's like, oh, yeah, the leaky catheter. I was going to say, what kind of, what is the circumstance that requires a special room at the urologist? I don't, I don't know. Like, it wouldn't see, it would seem more than a catheter. That's, that should be kind of standard operating procedure at a urologist. So like you need a special room at a urologist. That's saying something. I, I don't know if they were just trying to manage him or if he actually did. I don't know that a leaky catheter. First of all, I was confused because I thought my experience with the catheter is like you're having surgery or you can't go to the bathroom or something and you have to have a catheter. <laughs> like, I didn't know you walk around with it all the time. I'm I, ignorant. I think there's different different conditions that would require that. But so I think that's easy. I think if you work at the, as your receptionist or whatever at the urologist, you say, um, because of your immense size and impressive girth, we need to treat you differently, and there's a special room to handle somebody as well endowed and uh, as yourself. Something like that, just over overwhelm them with flattery about them, and that seems to be the way to go. Because who's going to say, "Oh, maybe he'd probably say, oh, you 'Oh, right. you're right, you're right.'" I'll, I'll I I gotta think that you might have a future in urology. Or no, know, urology reception. Right. I was going to say, not as the actual <laughs> urologist, but as a receptionist. But um, it's very, it's, so my point is, and I've had a lot of experiences with this urologist. <laughs> I, I've seen him a few things. Uh, but he he's always so happy to see me because I think I'm so much younger than the other clientele. And I'm not angry. Like To me, it's just like, here's a necessary evil. We talk. And he's so matter of fact we i'm wearing a bull shirt and he's like i like your shirt uh first first actually he examines you from the front so i i have never had such a matter of fact nonchalant talk like we're talking about basketball while he's cupping my testicles and it just seems i mean i get it it's for medicinal purposes but it's still not something I'm used to. And he just, you know, talking and he's kind of, and he's like, so any problem with your balls? And I'm like, yeah, no, no real problems. Like, well, that's good. Uh, he call, does he call them balls? He did. That's, I was so surprised today. I and mean, he's never done that before. Today was the first time he said any pain, he said any pain in your balls. <laughs> and I'm hoping like, I hope he's actually a urologist. Like what? If Do you think there are female doing? urologists? Uh, there's gotta be like, I know that there are male gynecologists, although I saw there, there's like backlash against that. A lot of, uh, I was reading like people find that creepy nowadays or not as desirable. I would think so. And, and I just think that's pretty telling if there, if, if it seems inconceivable that there would be a female urologist, why would it be okay that there's a male right. No, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm totally with you. Especially uh, because women are, are probably more capable of separating 
sexual uh, thought and innuendo from what they're doing than men are, right? It, it takes a very special man, I think, to be able to veer into vaginas and not have anything cross their mind. I certainly couldn't do it. I think you're canceling yourself right now. Um, I, <laughs> I, well, regardless. By the way, I just had to tell somebody I was very close to that irregardless is not a word, and it led to a fight. That person is actually not talking to me, but uh, regardless, right? I digress. Um, he's he seemed very happy to to speak with me. And I mean, we were literally talking about how bad the bulls were as he rammed his hand into my sphincter and then just continued. Uh, you know what he said? Oh, you'll feel a little pressure. And every time like the little pressure, I'm like, that's what's a lot of pressure. If that's a little pressure, I don't know what that was. Uh, and, and that wasn't that terrible. Um, I, I went to the same gentleman for a vasectomy. Have you had a vasectomy? I did. Um, how did what you enjoy it? Did you it, enjoy no, it? Probably the most stressful thing I've ever done. It did not hurt at all, but the guy almost, I was so stressed and I guess pale and sweating that yeah. he, he asked me if I still wanted to go through with it. He, he offered to stop, um, I was so worried about the pain that I was going to feel, which I didn't occur. That's what, so when I, I've, I've had two other memorable procedures with this urologist. So uh, when I had a vasectomy, uh, it, it was a nerving, uh, like we were talking again, he's just talking to me and uh, it was a nerving when you could smell the flesh being cauterized. That's a horrible thing. And you could see smoke. Like that's really, really bad. And but he literally said to me, he goes, you know, you're you're remarkably calm. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I've had members of the Chicago Bears who have had this procedure who have started crying or have passed out at this point. Uh, and I, I was um, the only pain I experienced. And this is important. Uh, I'm going to say this is you ever how to how to have a successful vasectomy. Um, you want to prep your kids about what you're doing and doing now. Because I I came home from that procedure and uh, laid down on the bed and got a bag of peas to sort of ice my nether regions. And my son came into the room. He was little at this time. He was like three, three or four. He was like, what's this? And he slammed the piece <laughs> with his hand. And I screamed. Uh, and it, it, it didn't hurt as much as the, like, I was just freaked out because I thought the wave of pain is coming. So I'm screaming right. at him and he's traumatized. And it, I mean, it hurt the normal pain of getting hit in the testicles by a four-year-old uh but it wasn't it wasn't terrible i was so afraid of it hurting well that's that's i had two friends who had horrible experiences with their vasectomies where like a nerve got nicked on it and they were like in excruciating pain for weeks and i was so that's what was in my head i was so nervous about impending pain like it didn't hurt at the moment but i thought oh it's i feel pressure i feel and it was it was fine, but that made me so nervous. And it's this fear of the pain more than anything 
that was paralyzing. So far worse than that pain is I, and I can't even remember why. And the reason I go to him is I have uh, you know a history of various cancers in my family, and at one point um, I was I was bleeding a lot, um, and so they were trying to determine why are you bleeding. But I I had to have um, the inside of my bladder looked at, and that. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that. I know. That I was, know you. That's horrible. I can't. I honestly can't even. Can't. That's even. they go in from the front. I the understand. I know. And that. <laughs> I know. We have to talk more about it because I'm traumatized. That uh, was far more painful. Ugh. And and there was a sentence that this man said to me that it will haunt me till the end of my days, where he goes, "Okay, now we are piercing the bladder wall." <laughs> I was like, "What?" And it was it was horrible and uncomfortable. And when I walked out of there, I was dazed. I was not myself. I I called up a coworker of mine, and literally, I don't know why I chose her. Uh, I literally like started screaming slash venting about like I, I don't know what just happened. I don't think I'm okay to drive. I don't understand how I've been released under my own recognizance. I've been I've been uh, violated in, in a terrible, terrible way, um, and that far and away was was the worst of all the pains I've had at the urologist. That's the worst one. So yeah, that that I I can't even imagine that. I did recently go. Uh, I, I've had a hemorrhoid as many, I've, I've learned many men. Really by... like the way the show is yeah. shaping up. I feel like we've latched on to a theme and now yeah. we're just off and running. We're going to go for it. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm going back to the other side here and I had this hemorrhoid and I uh, was told to go to see a specialist and the, they can usually do things like, you know, bands, which are, are not an issue. And, and but if it's a really nasty one that's not inside the your body, it's, it's kind of protruding. They have to they, the only option is to cut it out. And so they go and they tell me this. And it's, of course, awkward because you're with these people and they're trying to like like your example, talk about the bulls or something. And yeah. and yet you're going to drop trial and show your ass to them. And they proceeded to tell me that. They could do it, but I should be aware that it's extremely painful and oh. you won't be able to sit for days and they have to suture your butt. And unlike other places that you could just leave alone, you clearly can't just leave your your exit hole yeah. alone all the time. And so I quickly decided I was not going to do that procedure and I will just try to manage the hemorrhoid on its own. I feel like, and you're going to think this is ridiculous, but I feel like we should clarify. Like, I think that our younger listeners, well, we don't have any younger listeners, but when we, we don't have, have many listeners, listeners, they may not, <laughs> we're going to get some soon. Okay. They may not know exactly what a hemorrhoid is. They know where it's, they probably know where it's from, but what exactly is a hemorrhoid entail? Well, I, I don't, I'm, you know, not medically trained beyond Google, but. No, yeah, just give me your. It your, is. It is part of your intestine that gets pushed through your anus, so it's it's protruding. But there are these internal ones apparently that that don't actually ever stick out, but they are still kind of I guess bunched up on the inside and cause problems like pain and bleeding and things like that. That's not 
what I had. And those apparently are very simple to treat because they right. put, basically put a, like a band around it that, that with kind of squeezes the blood flow from getting to it and they, they go away. Um, mine, I actually know I got mine from lifting weights and straining. Uh, you're just humble brag. <laughs> no, when straining while I was lifting weights, which is a big no-no, you're never supposed yeah. to strain with your abdomen. And, uh, and now as I've gotten older and I sit on the toilet longer and things like that, it, it exacerbates it, but it's, uh, one of the many joys of getting older. You still, you still have that hemorrhoid? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think we'll ever go away at this point (laughs) unless I have surgery on it, but it, sometimes it's worse than others. Right. And so if I, um, if I'm going to the bathroom less then it's better. Right. If, if I'm having a stomach problem and I'm going to the bathroom a lot, then it gets inflamed. Um, well, since we're talking now about rectal procedures, I, I got yeah. something I'm going to throw in. There. So you're this doing rectal right. procedures for 500. <laughs> rectal procedures for 500. But I mean, we're on this topic now. And this is a story that I, I've, I, you know, I don't often get opportunities to share this. But uh, anytime one presents itself, I really want to try and take advantage because it was probably my most uh, humiliating uh, sort of intestinal rectal. <laughs> Actually, there might be one that's up there. Um, I I think I mentioned I had these bleeding. I've had these bleeding problems for for a long time, and so I was having a procedure um, where they threw your butt, they shove a camera into you <laughs> and it's called the colonoscopy, right? Well, but not for this one, not because you're awake. I'm awake. It's called the colonoscopy. No. No, this wasn't because it involves camera and 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 cutting and other procedures, but similar to that. Are you are you awake for your colonoscopy? No. Yeah, so I'm awake for this one. So um, and they told me, I didn't know what it was going to entail, but they told me I was going to Northwestern hospital. They, they told me, oh man, I got an iWatch and it. So <clears throat> it just started talking. Sorry about that. I have a new iWatch and it was something about <laughs> Northwestern, uh, Northwest hospital made it call an alert. Um, but I'm going to the hospital to have a camera put into my butt and into my intestine. That's all I knew. <laughs> And I was going to be awake for it. They didn't tell me about this procedure. And they said it wouldn't really hurt a whole lot. Um, so I go in. I go in and I, had, I couldn't eat. The same thing, you know, the day of. And I, I go into this room and uh, now they're prepping the doctors in there. And they said, like, in order to get the, you know, I'm a little afraid because I don't know what it is they're shoving into me. But it's going far. It's going into my intestines. And I'm awake, and they're saying it's not going to hurt. Um, however, in order, in order to, in order to allow the camera to move through you freely, we are going to basically pump you up, throw full of air, like they took like a, an electric, like a, 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 a basically an ass pump, and they inflate you, and they even said like you know they told me to lie on my side. And they said, you're going to feel a lot of pressure. And I'm like, all right. And sure enough, 
they they turned on the vacuum switch, the anti-vacuum, and like now there's air just going all the way through me, like uh, and and pretty it, pretty intense, and it, it it is a lot of pressure, and then they start shoving the camera into me, and it's I'm I'm very uncomfortable, like it's so uncomfortable, like I'm like white fist grasping the metal guardrail of the side of the bed because you feel like if you aren't really focused and controlling, you're going to just explode. Like, I don't understand something. Yeah. They do colonoscopies all the time and they put you, you're asleep. You, you're put under for it. <laughs> why, why would you be awake for this procedure? I don't know. I was in my twenties. I didn't even think to ask. I didn't what? even, I didn't even tell you what it was at this point they were looking for. I mean, I and in your twenties, why would you possibly have, unless you were having some specific issue? I, I was bleeding a lot. I had a lot of bleed. I was like, they were trying to figure out why I was bleeding. I think, okay. I think you were I, in a I, shoddy I, place. It's North, it's Northwestern. That's one of the best hospitals in, in the world. Like an experimental procedure or something that some guy just wanted to get <laughs> no. his jobs off. So, so I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm on a bed on my side and then, and they're talking to me. They're showing me stuff like in my intestines that they're looking through, like the room's kind of dark and I'm looking at, I'm watching this on the camera. I'm watching like the inside view of, of my intestine. And then I can't really make out a whole lot, but there's, showing me things that they're clipping off and tissue samples, which is really, I can't feel a thing, but I know something is basically taking out parts of my intestine. And at the meantime, I'm being shoved full of air. And yep. then while I'm, I'm sitting there, uh, all this going on, I mean, you're incredibly vulnerable, right? I mean, my junk's hanging out. There is a tube in my ass. I'm filled with air. There's a camera in me. Like, you can't think of a more vulnerable position. I'm not, all of a sudden. Yeah, it paints a very nice picture. Yes. All of a sudden, I hear this, Armand? Armand von Kuhlberg? Is that Armand? And I'm like, who's calling my name? Like, oh my God, Armand? And in walks to my my i my best friend in junior high and part of high school uh uh i had a crush on his older sister i hadn't seen him in you know 10 15 years uh in walks his older sister that i had a tremendous crush on and she's just smiling and she's like oh my god how are you and I can barely talk. My pants are down. My junk is on display. And and she just keeps talking like, oh, my brother, you keep so like, what have you been up to? Like, I can't believe it's been like so. And like I don't need she's talking as I can barely speak. Cause like if I talk, I feel like I need to really focus on not exploding. And she's telling me, she's updating, like, I'm a doctor here. I'm doing my residency. And my brother, she's telling me what her brother is doing. And she's just so, like, so happy. And she keeps chatting. And I'm I'm completely mortified. And she's going on and on and won't leave. And then uh, they're, they're getting end of the, the end of the procedure. They're, they're finishing it up. And she's still in there, like, talking to me this entire time. And then she... <laughs> The doctor goes, all right, we're going to remove the pump right now. You're going to experience some flatulence. I'm like, what? <laughs> and they remove the camera and the pump. And then 
I well, my my friend's sister. At one point, I I was so in love with this girl, um, and I start farting uncontrollably, so loud, so violent. I'm so embarrassed. I and again, and my pants are down <laughs> while this is happening. I pick up my like my clothes, and he's like, "You can go into this room to get dressed." And I'm in this room. And she's just standing on the other side of the door. And I'm I'm just holding my head in my hands and just, it's just, I'm deflating basically so loud. So, and, and continuous and it won't stop. And I finally just said, Hey, you know what? Can I maybe call you later or something? I don't really want to talk right now. She said, oh, oh, oh yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, and she walked out of the room. I, I never called. I never actually never saw her or her brother uh, again. And that was my that was my my story that was sparked by <laughs> hernia. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think there was some shady stuff going there and it does not sound like a professional environment. And my guess is it was all a joke that somebody was playing. That was probably set up by this friend of yours to have his sister walk in, in in this vulnerable moment. There's no, I see no reason why you would be awake during something like that. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know either. And at my, uh, I'm, I'm have diverticulitis. So actually first, before I go into this, it's funny because I could talk about this all day. <laughs> and I think it seems that you could too. We could talk about <laughs> procedures, colonoscopies, sigmoid, whatever. We could talk about these for, for hours and it's funny because I used to play softball, 16-inch softball with my brother and a bunch of his friends for years. We play like in, in these spring leagues. They'd start in the spring and go until like the beginning of summer. And some years we were good, some years we weren't so good. But every week after our games, we would go to a bar somewhere and eat dinner and drink some beer and hang out for a few hours. And that was actually the most fun part of the whole softball is – going out afterwards and hanging with these guys at some point, And I was younger. So my, my brother is, is my stepbrother. And he's like, I don't know, like six years older than me, I think. So they were all older. And, and so this started when I was probably in my late thirties and they were in their mid forties. And we played all the way up until, you know, I was in my mid forties there in their, their early fifties. At some point we're out at this bar and this exact conversation is going on, right? And it's like going on for an hour. Like everyone's talking about their colonoscopy stories and they're talking about the, the hemorrhoid stories and all this stuff. And at some point, and I say, do you guys remember when we used to come here and talk about girls and sports? <laughs> now we sit and talk around rectal exams. Excellent. Well, look, now let me ask you this question. Here's an important thing. Do you think that this is a uniquely male experience? Do women talk I, about their I have no the idea what women talk about like that? I, I, I don't know. I don't know that do. Yeah. Women get colonoscopies too. I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? My, uh, my wife's upstairs. I can call her and ask her and put her on. That's okay. You know what? You know, I've talked to her. I, I, mean, I feel like, I feel like that, that this is a male, but I think this is probably what makes us human is the ability to, you know, somehow this is a profound universal experience, but possibly only for males. 
I guess I don't, I, I mean, I know that women talk about all kinds of personal private things. I just don't know if this is on that list. I don't think they find this shame, same joy. Like I'm, Maybe. I'm, I'm amused when I'm talking about my colonoscopy. I think that my wife, uh, they like, it's a private thing. See, but I could, I would, I could talk about colonoscopies all day. I literally feel a uh, tingling in my spine and, and it goes into my legs when you were talking about the other side, when you were talking about going through your penis yeah. and into your bladder, that makes me, it makes me cringe so badly that I can't even, and my, even the vasectomy stuff, which look again was not painful, but was, it freaked me out so much. Um, that I can't talk about that. I don't like talking about that. I, I can talk about the other end. Really? See, I can talk yeah. about, I, I mean, I did not enjoy, that pain was terrible, but now it's in the past. I'm able to, I'm able to talk about it. I guess I have a visceral reaction to the other side, the stories about the other side, about the balls, but the, the rectal stuff doesn't make me, because, and maybe that's also because it's uncomfortable, but it's never painful. It's never, um, I don't know. The other thing that I just want to bring up real quick is yeah, you mentioned that you are no spring chicken. Yeah. And I wonder, based on who our listeners will be, if that even makes sense to them, that saying. And recent, I just took my, my son out with uh, both my kids and my 16-year-old's girlfriend came out. And they were telling a story about something that one kid said to the other. All, all these 16 or 17 or 18-year-old kids. And one kid said, what am I, chopped liver? And they all laughed. They're like, what the hell does that mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? What does that mean? That's a very common saying. What are you? Right. Chopped liver? And they're like, no, it's not. Maybe it is if you're a boomer. And I'm like, well, I'm not a boomer. I know what that means. <laughs> so uh, I, I wonder if like spring chicken is, is on that yeah. same category. Probably, probably not. I, cause I, I work with a lot of teens. I've never heard them say that. So I probably, you, probably dated ourselves. What about we, the, are you chopped liver? Does that resonate with you? I feel like that's not said, but but they they'll know what this means. Like they've probably heard some other old people say that one. So if you said to your kids, "What am I, chopped liver?" They would understand what you mean. I've said that to my kids, and they have responded. They've never told me I'm old, but they they think I'm old. You know, my kids make fun of my age a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've heard yourself, but. It's not that I think it's probably you probably make yourself a pretty easy target for that. What are you talking about? Well, just this podcast, for example. I'm still this not particular following. episode. I'm not following you <laughs> at all. I don't know what you mean. Again, we used to talk about sports and girls and TV shows, and now we could spend several podcasts talking about rectal exams. Well, but it's like a PSA. I think we're providing a PSA. So that people that uh, might be facing these know that they don't have to be afraid. Well, I guess just in the spirit of it, I've also noticed in the last several years, hair growing out of different places that never had hair before. Like yeah. my ears. Yeah. What's your, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent. I feel, I do much more shaving now than I ever did. And mostly uh, I have individual eyebrow hairs. Yeah, if left unchecked, 
I, I could go full-blown Rapunzel. <laughs> like I yeah. could probably throw them out the tower and someone could climb up them. I, I, like a couple of years ago was the first time I went to get a haircut where the girl cutting my hair said, you want me to do your eyebrows? And I was horrified. I'm like, and, and insulted. Like, what do you mean, do my eyebrows? <laughs> of course not. Like, and then then I'm like, wait a second, why are you offering? And I had to like go home and look at my eyebrows and, and it's the same thing. It's it's the it's yeah. the one or two that kind of right. grow out of control. Yeah, no, I I spent a lot of time scrutinizing my eyebrows. But there's no, I've done some research. Oh, yeah. and that's what I was going to say about my my last trip about my um, my diverticulitis. I was talking to somebody there about it, and I'm like, well, I have in my vast medical experience based on Google, right to the doctor because the doctors love hearing about you know, your expertise based on Google searches when they have a spent eight years in medical school and residency. And, um, but, oh, so I've done some research on this hair thing. There is no, there's no biological or evolutionary reason why hair grows when you get older, like in your ears and your nose and, and having your eyebrows sprout. There's no, nobody can identify what evolutionary benefit there is, or even, rationale around why you grow start getting hairier as you get older i know what it is what is it the life throws so many indignities at you so that when it's your time to go you're like ah that's not so bad <laughs> so many terrible things happening ah, whatever so it's it's evolution's way of making you less upset about dying uh, it's it's uh clearing the runway for you the final runway Interesting. You know, um, we've been recording for a lot longer than most of our other podcasts. We have have this subject. (laughs) I think it says something that we've we've barely tapped the the fountain. Like we've got no. I just finally looked at our running our time our time here, and it's running. We're at like forty six minutes. So (laughs) have to do this. Wait, if we go a little bit longer, we could divide this into a two parter, right? I guess so. We did have some time in the beginning that was probably not worth keeping, but right. <laughs> well, well, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I, I mean, I really, I think we really summed it up. I think we captured a lot of it. Like I said, there's, there's, this is like a 10 part uh, sort of topic, but I feel like this is a great part one. And so as the definitive guide, this is the definitive guide on uh, getting yeah. older or rectal exams. <laughs> Uh, I think we should say it's the definitive guide to your butt because I feel like that sort of colorful topic will, it'll draw, it'll draw more people in. Okay. Let's just, let's just try it. Uh, if we tie it like the to different definitive guide to problems with your butt and the, your Franken beans and just see if that results in more people listening to the podcast. I think that will be a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. Again, which is why I have to use a, a suit because I don't want, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep this podcast going as long as I can, as well as my day job going, both of them going as long as I can. All right. Well, I forgot what my name was today. Uh, Chubby. Chubby. That's right. So I'm Chubby Von Kuhlberg for the Definitive Guide. And this is Armand Von Kuhlberg. Thank you, as always, for listening, you 700,000 people.
Yeah, or Carl. Minus the 100,000 part. <laughs> These seven people to whom I have a blood tie. Yeah, enjoy. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to you later. Goodbye. This episode is called Invasive 